This episode is brought to you by Rumble Up. Did you know that 90% of text messages are read within the first three minutes? That's right. Stop counting open rates or dialing phone numbers that never connect. Instead, send a text. Rumble Up is the most advanced peer-to-peer texting platform, driving real conversations between real people. That's right, real. So whether you're a candidate running for office, a small business, a corporation, or a nonprofit organization, Rumble Up can help you launch your own texting campaigns. Simply visit www.rumbleup.com to get started today. That's www.rumbleup.com and get started today. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Average Feminist, a podcast for feminists of the future. Today, we are not your average feminists, but tomorrow we will be. I'm Christina. And I'm Sarah. I'm Amanda. And we're not your average feminists. (laughs) Today, we are talking all things 2018 midterm elections, if this was the year of the woman, and the state of women in the Republican Party. Yeah, so welcome to another episode um, so today, like Christina said, we're talking all things 2018, and I have a, just a few stats here um, that I thought um, would be good to start with. So according to NBC News, of the 41 states that flipped red to blue in the House, more than half of them, uh, 24, were pulled off by female Democrat candidates, which is pretty crazy. Um, let's see what else. On election night, 23 women were elected to the Senate. And of those 23, just six were Republicans, so that's another stat for you. Also, according to NBC News, combining the House and Senate data, okay, so um, both chambers, women next year will make up a bit more than 40% of Democratic lawmakers on Capitol Hill, but less than 8% of Republican lawmakers. So sad. I know. That's crazy. Um, So that's, that's... a couple stats there. Another one I thought was interesting, if I can find it again. This is from Roll Call. Um, let's see. Okay, so Democrats will have 89 women in the House next year, including 35 female freshmen, which is crazy. Um, but House Republicans, on the other hand, have dropped from 23 women to just 13. So while Democrats are bringing in a lot of new women in 2019, House Republicans actually lost women and went down. Um, which is insane. We're talking like a chamber that's what, 435 people? Am mm-hmm. I getting my civics right? Like, nope, totally right. And of those, only 13 are Republican women. So that means there are more <laughs> Democratic <clears throat> women in the Senate than there are Republican women in the House of Representatives. Yeah, okay, just pause for a second. That is mind blowing. Do better. Like, that's mind blowing. So, people have taught, like, one of the big narratives coming out of the midterms, obviously, which we heard going into it, but also coming out, was that it was the year of the woman. Um, it wasn't necessarily a blue wave, it was a pink wave. All of these women are coming into um, Congress and, like, doing all these great things, and that's awesome. 
Um, but it is a little depressing to be on the right and look at our numbers right now. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. not just me, right? No. 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 <clears throat> yeah, so I don't necessarily know um, what to do about it, like what the answer is here. All I know is we need to do better. Well, you know, I work with a lot of recruiting groups for women to run for office. Uh, most of them are nonpartisan in nature, but um, this is something I've been talking about for years and something that honestly we didn't do a good job um, this last cycle recruiting the numbers that um, our contemporaries on the left did. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of this is number games or is a number game. Um, and quite frankly, just more Democratic women showed up and filled yeah. out um, paperwork to run and I think Republicans. About, and I've been thinking about it a lot. I wish I had more um, like data in front of me. Because sometimes I wonder, is it is it because just women skew Democrat, and so ergo there's going to be more Democrat elected officials? Or is that just kind of a cop-out? I'm not really sure. It Sometimes it does seem, at least today anyway, it does seem that women skew Democrat and like vote more Democrat. Um, but I don't necessarily want to just like write off women. I think it would be a shame for the Republican party to be like, oh, well, like women are just Democrats. So we're not going to try to bring them in. That would be a horrible mistake. You know? Yeah. Well, I have a hypothetical question. Yeah. If for instance, we were in a different situation, say Trump wasn't the Republican nominee and a different nominee had won. Do you think we would be seeing the pink wave as we're seeing it right now? I mean, I feel no. like they've definitely organized in a much different way than Republican women have. We but women right now are organizing, at least in the Republican Party, are organizing probably in a very traditional manner, whereas in the Democratic Party, they're following more of the Women's March type of roles. So you have more women that are kind of not necessarily groomed politically that are running for office but they're that are, just running that out are of, just running out, out of outrage yeah yeah that's I, a good point yeah if we had president hillary clinton i bet there would be this um the same backlash you see with women on the left yeah you think women. there'd be a huge backlash of women on the right like I, not all women are hillary clinton maybe perhaps, perhaps in some alternate universe <clears throat> yeah that's what happened that's actually a really interesting point yeah i do think I, I don't think 2018 would be would have been the year of the pink wave if Donald Trump was not president. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I like that women are getting more active and more engaged in politics and are like talking about voting and running. I think it's great that women are running for office. At this point, I'm just wondering how do we get more women on our side to run, or how do we get women who are um, now concerned and like active and going to the polls and voting who aren't running but like how do we get these women voters to vote republican you know what i mean i think it's it comes down to sponsorship i mean money makes everything work in politics and i think there's more money there's definitely more groups on the left with more firepower specifically for um giving like funding Mm -hmm. women to run for office on the left than there is the right and I think you can see even recently this past week with Elise Stefanik mm-hmm. um, announcing that she's going to be using her leadership pack to get more involved in <clears throat> primaries specifically to back women candidates. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I had the article up. Oh, here we go. I'm going to pull it up right now. So for those who don't know, Elise Stefanik is a congresswoman from upstate New York, and she's a Republican. And until Ocasio-Cortez was elected, 
um, Stefanik was actually the youngest woman to be elected to Congress, which is pretty cool. And she's a Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, so earlier this week, Roll Call, um, which is a D.C.-based publication, um, ran an article about Stefanik um, starting a new PAC to specifically help conservative female candidates. And it's a really interesting article, um, and it's interesting what she's doing, and I really like what she's doing. Um, She led the effort to recruit women at the NRCC, I believe, last cycle. Yeah. Um, And she basically is coming out now and saying, like, look, the NRCC does a great job, did a great job, et cetera, et cetera, but, like, they don't play in primaries. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and this is getting a little insider baseball-y, but, like, the NRCC is the committee in D.C. that helps elect Republican House members, mm-hmm. um, for people who don't know. Um, but they don't get involved in primaries, and I don't think, especially they're not going to, like, get involved against an incumbent. Um, uh, so Stefanik is coming out and saying, we need to get involved in primaries, we need to help female, we'd have more female lawmakers right now if we had actually supported some of the women that ran in the primaries mm-hmm. um and the instant like the institutional republican organizations are not doing it and so like i'm gonna do it and that's what she's saying now which i think is pretty cool but it also like raises a lot of interesting questions um about like should we go out there just supporting candidates just because they're women so that's you know mm-hmm. that's that's like another thing we have to think through well so all of the committees have done a really good job after 2012 of putting together either specific committee, like, subcommittees that are focused on recruiting diverse candidates and um, and working with other groups um, to, to just ID those people mm-hmm. and to groom potential candidates to run. Um, they get a lot of bad press. Um, and I think... One of the reasons why um, it, it's hard to it's hard first of all to find somebody to run for to be a candidate and mm-hmm. to groom them in such a short period of time. So I'm thinking this is more of like a long tail solution. But I I like to see that um, Congresswoman Stefanik is getting involved in the money part because that's where right now it makes the biggest yeah. difference because that's where money attracts other money. So yeah. you need to have a couple big heavyweights behind you in the primary to get more big donors to back you to get the kind of attention yeah. from local party members. And she's probably right. If if a lot of these um, females who ran in the primaries had more institutional backing, we'd probably have more females coming into office right now. And we wouldn't be down to, what was the number, 13 mm-hmm. in the House? Yeah, and um, honestly, right now it's, I mean... I think Republicans take a different approach to diversity, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, we want the best candidate to win, but in like it's just realistic. Yeah. The best candidate is the one that's the most viable, and that really just equates yeah, to Yeah, so here's money. a question for both you guys. If you were voting in a primary, primary and it was between <laughs> like one man and one woman, and they were both pretty similar, or let's say you like liked the man's positions a little bit more, would you still vote for the woman candidate just because she was a woman? No. No? What do you think? Mm, it depends on the staff. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the staff? What it do you mean? Um, I, don't, I don't judge a book by its cover or mm-hmm. the PR strategy, column strategy. I want to know the people behind, behind the Behind the candidate? Yeah. Okay, but let's say you were, like, not... If I was neutral? 
yeah. just not political at all. Yeah, so let's you say didn't you're know. just an average voter and you don't you don't think about like, oh, who does this person have on their team? <coughs> and that I was, was such a DC answer, by the way. I know. <laughs> um, honestly, if there was no differences between them, I'd vote for the woman. Yeah, yeah. If there were no differences, I would vote for the woman too. If there were differences and I liked the man's positions better, I would vote for the man. Yeah. Is that like I I have a hard time just and I'm not, I'm not saying Stefanik is saying this, but I have a hard time walking around being like, oh, we need to just vote for women just because there are women. It, Whether they're Republican or not, because that was the big argument against Hillary Clinton. Remember in 2016? Mm-hmm. Like, how many times did we say, stop telling us to vote for you just because we're women? Yeah. And just because we're not talking about candidates on our side. Like, yes, I want more Republican women in office. Hands down. Period. Full stop. I I would love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also not going to vote for someone that I disagree with on a lot of issues just because they're female. Mm-hmm. I, I also trust that. and And I've... I have met her on several occasions, and I, I think she's a smart cookie. So, <laughs> and she used to be a, a political staffer too. So she knows the joke, and mm-hmm. it's pretty obvious in insider circles who are good candidates and who are a little wacky. Mm-hmm. So I don't think she's just going to be backing yeah, bad candidates not. or wacky candidates. It's not like she's going to be giving money to every yeah. single Republican woman that's in a primary or for a congressional seat i think she's gonna be really deliberate about making sure the good people get those back i think it's a good indicator i mean we'll see how much money she actually sinks into races in 2020 but um it's a good indicator that some people are are taking this seriously i mean i think there are going to be a lot of groups watching where she gives money to and i think that's gonna really sway other packs um their decisions where money goes to yeah, I mean, it comes down to money, um, of course. It also comes down to recruitment, so we'll see. I mean, you can't give money to good female candidates if there are, are no good female candidates. That's true, but I think um, I, the the people out there that need to be running, they have good backers that are encouraging them to do it, or they've thrown their hand up themselves. I know yeah. I know they say you need to like encourage more people to run. I think people are getting in the habit to do that more. Mm-hmm. Um, self-selection is a pretty good indicator of <laughs> I know. how willing you are to actually go the distance. So here's another question. Um, why does the Republican Party have such a hard time getting women to vote for them? Right now, is it, do you guys think it's just tied to Donald Trump? Um, yes. <laughs> And I would disagree, though. I think that um, the Republican leadership just doesn't do a good job of reaching women. I mean, I love Mitch McConnell. I think he's hysterical, but he doesn't necessarily. But how does, like, Chuck Schumer talk to women? He doesn't. How does Nancy Pelosi? That's what I don't get. I don't. I mean, and like, they don't. I mean, I don't agree with generally anything that they're saying. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think we I mean, <clears throat> we don't do it either. No, the heads of both of the parties are really bad at it yeah. it's the it's the people in the advocacy circles mm-hmm. that are doing a really good job mm-hmm. and we just i uh, truth bomb we do not have enough women operatives on the right 
than actually have a say in political strategy yeah. and messaging. There are very few women that are at the decision table for that kind of stuff. You see a lot of women, ourselves included, that are you know sitting around the digital shop or running the digital shop or the advertising shop. But usually by that point, the, the decisions me- are made. The decisions are made. The messaging set out, and all we have to do is chop it up <clears throat> into bite-sized pieces and make it look pretty. And another thing is, I mean, it doesn't just start at like leadership within parties. It starts with how we're educating students in colleges. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not enough outreach within college campuses for like females at all to become active. But the Democratic Party really does do outreach within these campuses. Yeah, they, they, they started pretty young. They started in like high school, mm-hmm. and we're just as a party, we're not doing that, and it's not competitive at all. So mm-hmm. people are becoming indoctrinated, indoctrinated with different educational ideas and different, you know, and they're not necessarily starting to think on their own. And when they do, I mean, maybe it's too late. Or yeah, maybe like they by, the time, by the time you're a voting age, if, if at that point you already think that, you know, abortion rights are the one and only like single most important issue for women, it's going to be really hard to persuade you to vote GOP. Yeah. So yeah. like, how do you get to that point? Like, how did you get like, how I, I mean this is all hypothetical but like how do you as an 18 year old already come to that conclusion i yeah. i don't know i mean Th- those emotional hooks and cues are already there and think about it like how many how many conservative issues pull at your heartstrings or get you really super fired up mm-hmm. if you were just completely apathetic beforehand and know. not a lot and when you're talking and like when the main message on the left is talking about compassion and diversity and inclusion and somehow and that's the main message you're getting from hollywood by the way we can't forget this factor like these kids are immersed in hollywood and what kind of messages are they getting well well the the point is those words are specifically reserved just for issues on the left but like diversity of opinion is not included on the left that is very much a right thing tolerance of ideas and people like i don't know it gets me really but the, the, at least the, the, in, like, my opinion, the Democratic Party has become very smart with how they message towards the younger generation. So we're losing – I mean, I'm sure a lot of these seats were the, the younger – like, young like younger people coming in, not mm-hmm. necessarily, mm-hmm. Um, you know, 28-year-olds or 29-year-olds, but they're probably, you know, millennials or just above a millennial mm-hmm. that are getting elected into these seats. Yeah, actually, while you keep talking – sorry, I'm going to pull up this Pew Research – study that has some keep going but like i'm gonna i i think there's some good data in here but well you think about it um the organizing uh leaders for both of the parties look like most republic like demographics are shifting in a lot of the red states um well they're shifting all over the country but let's just use texas as an example who do you think are running the like county parties in texas they're probably like older Mm -hmm. folks and right now, it's a much younger Democratic Party in Texas, I think. I'm just, like, yeah. going off of a lot of assumptions here. Yeah, so... But, but, like, that, those are the types of people that are bringing in all of this energy and organizing know-how, and they are hitting the ground. They are knocking on doors. They're making phone calls. They have a really excited base there. I mean, they're not winning yet, but, like, if they don't have... If the Republicans don't get some new recruits in terms of their county and local leadership party leadership i mean this is just a downward trend yeah because like the national parties can only do so much yeah so you christina have have that at the local you level. were talking about like younger voters feeling this um 
according to this Pew Research study that came out right after the election, uh, adults aged 18 to 29 voted Democrat 67%. Like, 67% of those people voted for the Democrat, as opposed to 32% who voted Republican. Uh, Going up the next age bracket, adults aged 30 to 44 voted Democrat 58%. So we're talking voters between the ages of 18 and 44, the majority of them voted for the Democrat. Yeah. That's scary. I mean, you figure people that are over the age of 44 were, you know, at least a lot more aware during, like, for instance, like the Ronald Reagan years. And, okay, so here, get this. So majority of people 18 to 44 voted Democrat. When you get to 45 to 64, it's still only 50-50. Like, it's not like it's, like, there's a huge swing to the Mm -hmm. other side. It doesn't, and according to Pew, again, this is just one study, 65 and older, it's 48-50. Like, it's not... We don't have these dramatic numbers on our side. We just have more old people voting still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the old people die. <laughs> this is... I mean, it, it's kind of <laughs> freaky when you think about it. And I know we're not going to solve this tonight, like, on this podcast. But... And I know that, like, Republicans have been talking about this for a really long time. But we've got to get it together. And that doesn't mean changing policy stances. It means talking about why... What we're trying to do here on this podcast is why you can be pro-life and also, like, vote Republican and, like, be a feminist and not feel like you're, like, you know, betraying your gender or whatever the Mm -hmm. issue or the hang-up that you have is. Stop buying into all these, like, lies that if you vote Republican, you don't like other people or that you're trying to restrict people's rights. Like, those are all lies and... I don't know. I we think just need it to needs, do a better job. It needs to start like high school and college. And I don't think there's a single group that's doing effective outreach in high schools or colleges at this point. Mm-hmm. There are groups that are doing it for that are backed by conservative causes, but I don't think they're effective at all. I think they are self-serving yeah. and it's not necessarily benefiting a student that may not fully know, may not necessarily care um and maybe a female that doesn't care about pro-life or pro-choice type of like abortion rights, things like that. They don't nec- they're kind of in the middle. They're kind of trying to just sort out where they fall on different policy issues. And there's no group that's doing a good job to bring in more moderate people. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. either like all in with the crazy rhetoric on either side and there's nobody in the middle to really represent you. So yeah. then you just end up voting Democrat. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's and it's tough because some of the stuff is like make or break, like depending on your college and your college yeah. Republican group. I mm-hmm. mean, like, oh, my gosh, like I was never involved in college Republicans when I went to yeah. school just because I was like, mm, lame. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. even even most young Republican groups are lame, lame. Yeah. Like, that's why I also don't do young Republicans. Yeah. yeah. We were talking about this earlier over dinner um, and it was like, why can't there be like this middle group where it's just like, I'm not a young Republican, but I'm not like the elder lady Republican crew mm-hmm. that only does like tea times at like noon on weekdays. Yeah. yeah. Um, where's the normal people? Yeah, but you are so right though. Like, we need it, it needs to start in high school. Yeah. Because this other stat that I just found, because I still have this Pew study up, um, here's a direct quote. 
Among voters who said this this was their first midterm in which they voted, 62% favored the Democrat. Yeah. I mean, so I I hope I'm not giving away too much. So I, I sit on a board for a nonprofit called College to Congress, and we are reviewing applicants for our upcoming 2019 class right now. And so like I'm going through a whole bunch of applications and it's nonpartisan in nature. So we take Republicans, Democrats, uh, college kids that don't affiliate with any party. And so I'm reading a lot of stuff and of all of the applications that are coming in where they self describe themselves as uh, progressive or Democrat. Um, it's been really interesting to see uh, we have a we have a question or a line that asks why do you affiliate yourself with the, uh, this party, and it's all of the answers. I'm, I'm just kind of blown away by how they describe it. They're just like you know, you know, this is an, a party that includes everyone and is about fairness, and you know, they're just describing it like this is a better moral choice. And like basically, that's kind and of they think that that's the Democratic Party and not the Republican. They party. think the better moral choice the ethical, moral, whatever, is the Democrats. And they, they're they basically implying that anybody on the right is the opposite, stands for the opposite of that. And they're not using, they're not using policy as the reason why. They're talking about emotions and feelings. And mm-hmm. that's the scariest part. But I feel like we can go back, for instance, like the generation before ours, there was a Ronald Reagan presidency. And the voters that are the 44-year-plus voters grew up in this generation where they really took pride in their president. Um, you know, we were lucky younger having like W as a president and I loved him. Um, but you have the generation below us that have had Barack Obama and the, the people really love him. I mean, you wouldn't even have needed to be political. And like, I didn't like any of his stances politically, but he was a great speaker. I mean, he seems like a really cool guy Mm -hmm. that you would want to have beers with. And that's what the next generation is seeing is a politician like that. And they have this guy who's like what is he in his early Mm -hmm. 50s Mm -hmm. and like just seems like a really awesome dude just cool and just cool and then you go from that to having a president no matter what i mean unless we had elected um like unless the candidate on at least the republican side was like a marco rubio Mm -hmm. everyone else was older i mean even on the democratic side you had bernie sanders or hillary clinton and they're both older you know so it's going back to having this like major generational gaps these 18 year olds that are coming and voting for their first time are like i would have loved to have obama for a third term because he seemed like a cool guy maybe they can have beto in 2020 i know and that's (laughs) that's a thing that we have to look at because he is going to engage this younger voter no matter what his party is i mean we need to look at the younger generation. This is not going to be, the, like, I know I'm skipping ahead to 2020, but this is not going to be the same primary that we saw last time because no. we're going to have Kamala Harris, we're going to have Cory Booker, mm-hmm. we're going to have uh, Christian Gillibrand. Like, these are all young candidates that the younger. left is fired up about. Yeah. Younger. Yeah. They're young for politics. Yeah. <laughs> and then Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders again. <laughs> yes, I mean, but like, yeah. But like, and like, I think you're going to see. The older generation's butt get kicked yeah. if they get if they throw their hat in the ring. But we really need to start thinking. That's I think the biggest issue. It's not even a woman's issue at this point. It's a generational issue. Heck yes, yeah. So the no biggest more concern, baby boomers. I mean, well, the, so the female thing is a concern, but it's also like it's not just female voters. We yeah. got to keep getting these younger people. Yeah. Well, here uh, somebody was talking about this the other day. This generational divide and. 
this is you kind of you see this with the baby boomers they're not willing to give up power they want to keep staying Mm -hmm. in office this is the same reason they stay in all of their jobs right now and that's why you see this huge schism between like millennials either like you're you have your successful millennials and then you have your millennials that still live at home with your parents and it's in mm-hmm. it, a lot of that has to do with job opportunities just, that are just not being opened up because baby boomers are staying in the workforce longer. And I think it's, uh, you know, indicative of the political environment, too. They're just not letting go. They're yeah. not letting go. I mean, one person that I would like to, like, really congratulate is um, Trey Gowdy. I mean, he's younger and knows that, like, his time's up. I don't know if there's another oh. reason behind it. Uh, there could be, but not up. But I mean, I feel like you could, I feel like at a certain point when you're in that kind of role, you accomplish what you need to accomplish. And what else? I mean, you can accomplish more, but why don't you let the younger generation step in, especially in a state like South Carolina? Well, you can. Yeah, but still, he's he's like, he's he's younger than Gen X. He's Gen X, which is appropriate. yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he could. It's South Carolina is still a safe state that you can elect a Republican to replace him and oh, not yeah. worry about it. That's true. Whereas, the, the bench is deep enough where it's yeah. fine. But like, whereas if you were in like the state of Maryland and it's a Republican held seat, you're most would kill you, you would you, you would like, yeah you would yeah. most likely not hold that seat for the party. <coughs> yeah, I mean, I think all this is really interesting. Um, we're not going to solve all these issues tonight, but it, it is something coming out of the midterms. It is something that I think a lot of us are thinking about and want to have some answers to, you know, moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but we haven't even talked about the elephant in the room when it comes to women in 2018, which is um, Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, gosh. Like, and this is just a tangent, <laughs> obviously, but, like, what do you think of her? Aside from her policy stances, which I'm sure we all disagree with. I think she needs a good communications person to get behind her to, like, help define her message. And I'm just saying that because I worked in restaurants before, and A, restaurant managers don't have second jobs, ever. Mm -hmm. You work, like, 80 hours a week. You can't work on the hill and be a restaurant manager. And I'm referencing the tweet that she made about about how she went to a dive bar in D.C. and... Almost everyone that worked there worked on the hill as well, which is generally for DC restaurant scene is not necessarily the case yeah. at all. So it's a stretch, yeah, and extremely a stretch because people that work in restaurants make a lot more money than people that work on the hill because yeah. they do. <laughs> I mean, so like if yeah, I don't know. I, I look. I have friends I that work in restaurants. Not, I'm not saying I know a lot of people that work on the hill. Yeah. I really don't actually. Um, but I've never met anyone who did work on the hill and also had to have a, I've never, I've also had to have a second job. And I've also worked in restaurants in DC and have never worked with anyone that's worked on the hill. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I'm sure she, I'm, I'm not saying that she made that up, but I just, yeah, that was interesting. I just think, Ooh, she like bugs me on so many different levels. Um, yes, it's great. She's, she's, she's my age by the way, which is weird. Um, I would, I like her energy. I, know. I like her energy. <laughs> like I, I think it's there's. Is, that's why like I'm a little bit conflicted. I like her energy. I think it's really cool that she beat an incumbent the way that she did in her primary, and that she's a female, and that she's young, and that she's in Congress. Um, it, but I think that she's has that classic like. How do I put this? Um, like. 
I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to say this without sound like a, sounding like a total jerk. She has like a huge head. She needs to eat a huge like slice of humble pie and just admit that maybe she doesn't know everything and and say that like I'm here and I want to help and I want to learn, but like I don't know everything. I would love her so much more. I agree. If you're an incoming freshman, you should be a little bit more chill. But like at the same time, she's a politician, and what politician doesn't have a big head? So I don't want to take a swipe at her for that. But I will say, mm-hmm. um, the media is. The media and the de facto, like, um, you know, party slash advocacy, like, industrial complex Mm -hmm. has kind of, like, crowned her. Like, Mm -hmm. she's, like, a little, she's a wonder child for for the progressive left. And I, I don't even know where I read this. It was some article that was comparing her to Donald Trump. As Uh-oh. in, she was like the Donald Trump, oh, like I the think female I saw version. That too. Of but Donald do you think Trump. there's going to come a point where she's like rising, 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 and then she like hits some kind of ceiling and then like falls? Yes. You know what I mean? Like, you think that's coming? Yes. Or perhaps. Like some kind of scandal or like weird news? Like, what do you think? But Probably weird news. But here's the thing. Like, I, I think she has the same emotional appeal that Donald Trump does. That's why that I just read the headline. I didn't actually read the article. But I was like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Because. People just want to like latch on to a a persona, somebody who's going to go out there and fight for them. And I think that's how a lot of people saw Donald Trump. And we saw with him, no matter all of the like <laughs> less than um, his colorful past came out in every single way possible and people still it backed him. Matter. And I don't think it's going to matter for her with her base either. I think it's sh- she's just a polarizing figure, and the people on the right are not going to like her, and people on the left will always like her. The end. Unless she did something like, you know, got in a catfight with Nancy Pelosi on the <laughs> house floor. <laughs> like, I don't know. Even then, people would probably on the left would love her more. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Like Nancy Pelosi. I don't know. Yeah, I think she's interesting. Obviously, we'll see what happens. Um uh, you know, it's just, I'm 29. I don't know everything. She's 29. She <laughs> should know that she doesn't know everything. That's my only gripe with her right now. But mm-hmm. anyway. Um, I don't like that she won't go on Ben Shapiro's podcast. Oh, I know. <laughs> I want to hear them go toe-to-toe because I know she'll get demolished. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I know. So, all right, let's pause here. Um, we need to take a quick break. I don't know about you, but this time of year, I'm always reminded about how lucky I am to live in this country, and I look for ways to give back. This year, I learned about No Warrior Left Behind, a group dedicated to bridging the gap between first responders and our veteran community. No Warrior Left Behind is committed to honoring, saluting, and supporting the men and women in the military and the first responders in our community who volunteer to be in harm's way in order to serve and protect the safety and freedom of all Americans. To learn more about this organization and how you can get involved, visit www.nowarriorleftbehind.org. That's www.nowarriorleftbehind.org. All right, welcome back. So this episode, we've been talking a lot about 2018 and the pink wave and how it was the year of the woman. I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention um, the other elephant in this room when it comes to 2018, and that is the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, which obviously they were huge um, just in terms of like the story itself and the proximity to the midterms. 
Um, and for our purposes, how much it's shown a light into the deep divide between women on the right and the left. Yep. Like, I think you can't, you can't really overstate it. And fun fact, just to mention it, we're less than a mile from his house while we while we are recording this. <laughs> Not that that's creepy yeah. or anything. <laughs> we know that, but everyone knows he lives in Chevy Chase. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, look, everyone and their brother has rehashed the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. We don't need to get into it, like, completely. Um, but, again, I do think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it while talking about the midterms. I think it played a huge... Um, a huge role in how women especially voted. Um, you know, it definitely fueled a lot of turnout on the left. I think we, we, we you could say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also a lot of turnout on the right of women who showed up and vote, voted Republican because of how outraged they were at the hearings and how Democrats handled them. Um, and, and what they saw when they looked at Brett Kavanaugh was an innocent man defending his, you know, his life, basically. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think it was huge. I, I, I don't think you can overstate how huge the Brett Kavanaugh hearings were. Yep. So for me, I feel like <laughs> this is just such a emotional like roller coaster. I just felt gross about the whole thing because I don't know what he did and didn't do. I do know that, you know, all politics is personal and that's what we saw. People took their own personal experiences and they projected it on this entire ordeal. And that really, in, I, I think that informed how people voted as well. Um, yeah. I think it's just as plain as that. Yeah. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like politics at the end of the day is personal. It's personal for everyone. It's a personal experience when you walk into that voting booth and like vote for someone. But when, um, I think it's just interesting how different people looked at those hearings and came away, came away with completely different um, opinions about what was happening and what was going on, and um, and and that's that that's what really stood out to me is like how someone can look at the hearings and look at Brett Kavanaugh and come away with completely different viewpoints and opinions about it, and and then people carry that into the voting booth. Mm-hmm. So politics is personal. And some people looked at him and saw themselves defending their, their sons or they saw their brothers sitting there and, and that made it personal for them. Other people looked at it and saw their friend or their sister or their mom who has been assaulted before, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what made it so personal. Yeah. And, and I don't see it so much at like it, there was obviously a big shift when it comes to partisan takes on mm-hmm. this, but I was surprised how many friends I had on the left who would say to me in confidence, like, I just don't feel comfortable the rhetoric that's coming out of the left surrounding like this whole episode because they just felt gross because, you know, they have sons, they have husbands. And so like they kind of and they didn't understand, like I could tell that they were going through this like emotional like roller coaster themselves Mm -hmm. of trying to identify as a progressive woman, but also just kind of being completely like uncomfortable crucifying this guy and and on the opposite i knew a lot of people on the right who just thought straight up that he did it there's no way that um dr blazy ford would come up and and withstand all of that so they so i i saw a complete sw- like swaps on this partisan issue it, yeah it was really interesting i was like i can't believe i know so many people who are kind of reverse narratives that you would 
see mm-hmm. on the nightly news, but yeah, it happened. But yeah, for the I, most part, it was I definitely pretty... also don't. Th- I mean, I definitely think um, that's interesting. But it, it also wasn't completely clear cut by gender lines too. Like a lot of my friends, a lot of women I know would say the same thing to me. Like we're completely uncomfortable with this. There's no way. Like we don't know if, what he did or didn't do when he was in high school. Mm-hmm. But the Democrats are way overplaying their hand on this. We're not comfortable. Like, like you said, crucifying one man. Um, when we really don't know when, and, and there's no way to find out and we're not comfortable. Like this could be our son one day in this position being accused and he, his life is just supposed to be ruined because of one accusation that can't be proven. And it was so obviously political. It's, yeah. I, I was the most pissed off because I felt like they did not have the best interests of Blasey Ford in mind. Yeah. Like it was just like, I mean, that's obvious. Like that mm-hmm. was just disgraceful what the Democrats did to her. So I'm really pissed about that. I'm also pissed at how they completely went after Justice Kavanaugh as well. I mean, it's just, I just, like, I don't see how you can look at what the Democrats did with that whole episode and think, oh, that was great. Yeah. I feel like they wronged Does everyone. Does anyone think that? No, I feel like they wronged everyone in the process. Do you yeah. think, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I wish I had some more research on this. I'd be really curious to find out how much Kavanaugh played a part in Republicans keeping the Senate. I bet you it would be significant. Yeah, I think so too. But I just, especially I don't like have any winning certain seats in the Senate, like yeah. states like um, Missouri. Yeah, for, for instance, like that. Yeah, no, um, that's true. But I, but you know, looking to twenty twenty, like Susan Collins is going to have a huge fight on her hands. Yeah, I guarantee it. And all these outside groups that we were talking about earlier, who are just really good at organizing and turning out voters, like they are going to go yeah. after her hardcore but i will say like in full disclosure um i know someone and i don't know justice kavanaugh but i have a few friends that know him and dr Blasey ford um that have you know weren't there that evening obviously but know people that were involved in the situation and know that he did not do it um, so like the character assassination was a really, really big deal, specifically like in the DC metro area, um, where if you go to private schools, a lot of these people are very well connected to each other. Um, so, I mean, I took it in a very different perspective for me. It wasn't, I mean, yes, it was very, very political, but it was also very troubling because it just shows you, um, how the, they are willing to go all in on something that may not necessarily be true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was really it was. It was, I mean, people that know him and her have a lot of, and I'm not going to go into it, but have a lot of um, interesting stories and, like, antidotes about huh. their high school lives, You're things like mysterious. that. Yeah, I, well, I'm just not going no, to, I know, yeah. I know. It's, yeah, I mean, I don't know. And I'm not going to sit here and say, he did or didn't do it yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I'm not, not going to sit here and accuse her of being a liar. Yeah. I'm just, I'm not going to do that either. I, I don't know. And Something obviously day, like, nobody happened. Nobody does. Something obviously happened to her. Yeah. At some point. But nobody can say if he it or, or if it was him or not. Yeah. And, and you know. But and, something didn't, must have, must, something must have happened traumatic to her. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a difficult, it's, it's very, very difficult, but I think it really did draw certain like swing states and swing votes out. I mean, you, I mean, 
Claire McCaskill yeah, lost you're her seat. Right? Yeah, I know. I mean, it, it, it probably definitely. I mean, even she came out a couple of days ago and said. And again, of course, I don't have the story pulled up in front of me, but I did see that she came out a couple of days ago and said that um, how Democrats handled it. Yeah, is partly why she lost. Yeah, and I think she's right. Hundred um, percent. Mm-hmm. So and so yeah. So there's all that, and then there's the whole like shaming from the feminist movement of of other women who didn't you know pile on. Yeah. We hate Kavanaugh train. And just that, that was like the extra layer that, you know, we just did not need at, at that, mm-hmm. at that time that we just kept getting from all these feminists, like movement leaders. Um, yeah, it, just disappointing stuff all around, but definitely, but, like, but at the same time, I didn't, I didn't like the, you know, I'm with her and then I'm with Brett. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff yeah. made me so uncomfortable. I didn't like it being politicized on the right either mm-hmm. it, like that was gross when i saw people with like i stand with brett signs it's like you don't you don't know like yeah. what are you doing yeah. like you're 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 stooping to the same level of speculation that the left is and that's like terrible mm-hmm. but what's also interesting is um like keith ellison for instance was able to win an election in minnesota with accusations against him i mean people are oh, pretty credible yeah and like neil corroborated yeah and neil degrasse degrasse or whatever tyson, t- tyson yeah. with his sexual misconduct yeah. allegations that are coming out and people are like oh you know you just have to listen to him you know but what happened to believe all women when yeah. it's somebody that the left absolutely loves and it just doesn't matter well a perfect example of that too is lena dunham i don't know if you saw oh i saw her yeah. this week but she came out um, this week and admitted that she lied to cover up a friend of hers, a writer in Hollywood who was... Um, a writer on Girls. Yeah, who was accused of assault. And uh, Lena Dunham defended him a year ago and said that she had insider information that proved that he was innocent. Mm-hmm. And she came out this week um, for whatever reason, I don't know why, what prompted it, and wrote an essay saying that she um, was sorry... And that she lied when she said she had insider information. Oh, but, like, that's a perfect example of, you know, when on the left, it's all, you know, fun and games and believe all women until it's someone that you actually like. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's whoa, whoa, not so fast. Yeah. But, like, supposedly, how- but supposedly the progressive left is, like, the standard bear for all things, like, ethical and moral when it comes to stuff mm-hmm. like this. How naive is that? Believe all, I believe all women. No, you don't. You do yeah. not. Clearly, you absolutely do Lena not. Dunham doesn't because she didn't last year. No, yeah. let's just go through. I don't know the history books. Yeah, and like look directly at like the Democratic Repo- or the Democratic Party's track record on believing women. It ain't good, folks. So, yeah. and like it's the same way, it's like believe all men. Like no. if you were to, can you like that's like that's literally hands made tale territory. Yeah. Just believe all <laughs> blank people I'm because they're the moral authority. Tale, yeah. Like gotta get in here somewhere. Gotta get that handmaid's tale. I mean, yeah. the Christmas trees at the white house. I know. There you go. <laughs> anyway. So the, yeah. So I, I mean, I, 2018 Brett Kavanaugh, I can't wait for like the history books to cover this. I think it's going to be fascinating and, um, definitely played a role in 2018. You guys agree? Yeah. I agree 100%. Ooh, yes. All right. Well, I think that's all we have for today. Um, thank you again for joining us on this episode of Not Your Average Feminist Podcast. Subscribe. And rate us. Y'all are the best. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>